Well, Matt, this week's show is chills. bone chilling. Yep. Full body chills. We have M. Schultz, who's the host of the podcast, and that's why we drink, which is a true crime mm-hmm. and paranormal podcast. So we are going to get into yes. a lot of paranormal chat uh, with yeah. them. I have had a recent paranormal uh, experience potentially that we get into that is extremely personal and weird and difficult to talk about. Um, but I think I feel okay after having spoken to M. Schultz. Speaking of uh, of of the, the sort of the potentially spooky and supernatural, um, uh, in and of itself on Hulu, did you watch it? Watched it and loved it. It was really great. Can't describe Cried it. my little heart um, out. Yeah, but I found it very emotional. Shout out to our friend Drew Tappan, who uh, turned me onto it before, just before the internet was going crazy about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, both of us, actually. Um, ben double freaked out because that guy is exactly his type. So he was, you know, crying and swooning all at the same time. So there you go. Huh. I did not expect you to say that because what, what Ben has ended up with is so much better than what he is describing oh, as his type. Thank you. Oh, that, thank you. Thank you. But, you know, but that's, that is the way that it is. That is the way that huh. it is. Yeah. Some of us get excited when we see a James Vanderbeek. Some of us get excited when we see, uh, you know, Patrick Warburton. That's fine. Yeah. And the, uh, the less that people know about it, the better. Go, go watch it if you haven't seen yeah, it yeah. yet. And, um, yeah. and by the way, if you, if you don't have access to Drag Race UK that's coming out right now. Get yourself mm-hmm. the World of Wonder app. It is very mm-hmm. much worth it. We're living through a renaissance. I mean, we, the, this season of US Drag Race is excellent, but you can do a double feature every weekend with the US and the UK episodes, which are magnificent. The level of talent there is so mm-hmm. good. And and you'll finally get all of the uh, the the memes that gay Twitter is throwing around every Thursday and Friday. It is mm-hmm. so good. Okay, love season one. I've been trying to stretch it out, just be you know, just because we got a lot of at home time, so I don't sure. want to like blow my wad. However, I think I'm sold. Yeah, I'm gonna have to yeah. dive in. I'm just gonna have to dive in. Uh, speaking of diving in, let's uh, jump right into this conversation with the one, the only M. Schultz. We're back with M. Schultz. M. Hello. Hello, M. Hello. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much for doing this. Before we jumped on, I wanted to ask you, you were you were talking about um your quarantine experience, which was a you know, true quarantine, especially over the holidays, um, which I want to get into. But specifically, I want to know what you were watching and what was getting you through that time when you were on full lockdown, fully alone. Uh, That's a great question. So I like to do a lot of throwback binging. Um, I like to relive my youth as best as possible. So there was a lot of uh, like early 2000s TV shows I was rewatching. I did a lot of Charmed. We got all the way through Charmed. Um, wow. We also, I recently became a big fan of Below Deck on Bravo. I don't know if anyone here is a Below Deck fan, but uh, basically it's... you got a full spit take out of Matt McConkie, so yes. Perfect, perfect. It's uh, For those of you who don't watch, it's 
a reality show on Bravo of the employees of super yachts. So they're having to deal with all these entitled clients. And, but I've, I watched all three versions of that. They had different spinoffs. I've watched all of that. So probably those two are the most recent. Oh, and Desperate Housewives. I watched all of that too. Oh, wow. Ooh, How is Desperate Housewives yeah. holding up? Um, surprisingly well. There were a few things that are um, probably out of date, but it, it, held it, it held pretty well. So I had a great time rewatching it. I, last time I saw it, I was in high school and um, I had a huge crush on Eva Longoria. And now I again, have a huge crush on Eva Longoria. You've got good taste. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. I know it. That's solid. <laughs> um, on this sad day, we must ask, what is your relationship with Saved by the Bell? I don't actually have a relationship with Saved by the Bell. I tried to watch it. Also not a bad choice. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to get into it, but I think I was more of a, I think they were on the same time, Full House. I was more of a Full House person. Um, I think it was uh-huh. one of them... Both of them played on different channels in the morning before school, and I, I picked Full House. So I don't actually. Yeah, have you a might just be a little bit too young. Opinion. You're you're kind of just below the line, I think. Of maybe I was a '90s kid. Yeah, I was an early '90s kid. So um, hmm. the okay. reboot, yeah. however, excellent. Yes. Really, really, uh, some legitimately funny stuff happening on there. Worth getting Peacock just to check it out. It seemed a little unrealistic, though. Isn't isn't Zach like a mayor now or something? He or? is the governor of California. He that feels unreal to me. Very. Oh, it is <laughs> insane. Yeah, I mean, but the, he can stop time. Oh, right. Okay. You know what? Communicate directly to camera. You um, point, point taken. Yeah. <laughs> he has he has powers that are unlike uh, those of a normal man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, I haven't I haven't watched it. I haven't gone there. I just can't do it. The original is so atrocious. <sighs> um, you know. And today we lost Screech. All right. Right. Which is why I bring it up. Who just always seemed in real life like he was trapped. It within Saved by the Bell and trying to get out. I agree with that. I didn't even really watch Saved by yeah. the Bell, and I always just knew him as Screech, which probably yeah, isn't the thing. legacy he wants, but that is how I knew him. So. No. I mean, as legacies go, not too bad. Um, not too bad. So, M, you have a, a very popular podcast called And That's Why We Drink, and uh, I, I guess... Well, I, I know that it is a, a, a paranormal and true crime podcast, but for listeners who might be new to it, can you give us sort of your, you know, log line? A blurb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a true crime and paranormal podcast with uh, one of my best friends, and it's also a comedy podcast. So we kind of uh, teeter on the line of dark humor while also being super respectful where it's a comedy show where we're not making fun of anyone going through trauma. It's just kind of laughing around the, the situations. So I cover uh, paranormal stories in the first half. Um, my friend, Christine, my co-host, she covers true crime in the second half. And we're calling that's why we drink because when we first started the show uh, it, and we still continue to drink a lot of wine I drink a lot of milkshakes. I don't actually drink alcohol. So we were trying to find something for me to uh, get through the trauma of these stories. And I just thought, why not indulge in ice cream? So you can drink along, eat along with whatever you'd like on your end of the podcast and uh, listen to some spooky stories. What is the, what's your go-to paranormal story? We, we have a few haunted doll stories that have really actually affected people. Um, We've had, we've had a lot of people write in saying that after we've, there's a particular story. I won't say her name because apparently even saying her name curses you in some way. Oh. But I said that name a lot in that episode. And 
People were writing us saying that they got in car crashes or their parents had heart attacks or, I mean, it all, as we, as they were listening to the podcast, that a lot of wild stuff happened. Our audio completely deleted itself. I mean, it, it was really spooky. But anytime we talk about a haunted doll, those episodes seem to and do was well. Was this a haunted a doll that you had experience with or where, where, do, where did the story come from? How did the story make its way to you? Uh, so the story made its way to me simply through Googling haunted dolls. And, and this was one of the first listings. But we actually do have a personal experience with it now because Zach Bagans from uh, Ghost Adventures fame uh, purchased the doll and has her on exhibit at his museum. And for my co-host's bachelorette party, which I threw, I took us to Vegas to go to Zach Bagans Haunted Museum. And we got to stay in the room alone with the doll and talk to her and look her in the eyes. And thankfully nothing bad has happened yet, but we, we, I can say okay. I have an experience. So everybody survived till morning. Everyone made it till morning. Although the ride back, uh, our car uh, completely like broke down and it took like six hours to get home or something like that. It was so like, I would, I would say that was probably the worst of it. I, I'm, I'm, a, you know, not, not a believer as much as someone who is desperate to be convinced to become a believer. And so I'm wondering if you have a, a an experience in the paranormal realm that, you know, if you had, if you had a, a, one story that you wanted to give me to sort of sell me, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I have a lot. I actually, the reason that I cover the paranormal stories on the show is I used to be a paranormal investigator for four years. It was my college job, which is a pretty swanky job in my opinion, uh, in terms of, you know, I wasn't a, a waiter or anything. It was a pretty nice college job deal. Um, and my favorite story is that we had a little girl, we would go to the same house pretty often, uh, just to see if we got anything new or if we could gather any new evidence. And there was a little girl that was from the 1700s who had died there. And she had gotten really used to us um, because there's only so many times you want to answer the question, how old are you or is anyone here? And uh, so we would bring new people in a lot. We also hosted tours. So usually the newcomers would get more activity just because they were fresh faces for these spirits. And they really, especially the little girl, was drawn to grandfatherly looking people. And so we happened to have a tour where there was this man in his 70s and he had always wanted to have an experience with a ghost. And we said, oh, well, maybe you should lead this. Maybe you should ask any question you want. You know, there's supposedly a little girl here. And he started asking questions about cookies and cake and desserts and things just in my opinion, kind of started flying off the walls. The door started shaking. You could hear a little girl laugh. You would hear uh, in one corner, you'd hear a little girl giggle and then footsteps run through the room, through the table. And then you saw the door move as if something ran through it. And then you kept hearing the giggling and a little girl running down the stairs towards the kitchen. And we all heard it. So. Wow. All right. Okay. I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) It's just what happened. Yeah. How, okay. How did you come to this job? Totally by accident. Uh, okay. I was actually working at the museum next door, and the museum itself was a house that was 300 years old. I, I grew up in colonial Virginia, so it feels like every mm-hmm. building I was ever in had at least 10 ghosts in it. And mm-hmm. there, the museum I was working in used to be an old colonial home that was originally on the other side of the river. And for the... Th- 
to the or maybe 200 years for the bicentennial they picked it up and moved it across the river uh to put it in a safer space um just to keep it maintained and i was asking oh well since they moved it do you think if there were any spirits there uh do you think they're disturbed do you think they're mad about it and uh the guy that I was working for said, oh, well, the people next door do ghost hunts. You know, maybe they'll have more information about it. And he walked me over and introduced me. And I think because he brought me and they knew him, it looked like he was a reference. And uh, I just went to go ask a, just a couple of questions and then go back to my job. But they told me to show up on Friday night. And after I went on a little ghost tour with them, they gave me 20 bucks and said to come back the next day. So they actually stole me from my job next door. What were you usually doing in the tours? So the tours, they started as uh, ghost tours. So it was it was a very weird company that I worked for. It was a, a married couple that had a lot of interests, and they decided that this was going to be their hub where they just did everything they really wanted to. So they were uh, like a boardwalk shop next to the beach. They were also a Segway tour place. By Halloween, I guess, one year, they were like, oh, we should do a spooky tour, so let's do ghost tours. And so I was... I had a a bunch of different jobs for them, depending on my shift. Either I was selling kites or I was hunting ghosts. It was kind of wild. But uh, eventually they realized how much I liked the ghost tour. So they kind of just let me be in charge of it. And we would bring people to about four or five different haunted houses throughout the area. But we brought all of our own equipment. So the idea was we could get our own evidence while also bringing people with us and singing, seeing if... Uh, they had anything else to offer if they would ask any new questions or help us figure out new information. So it was half ghost tour, half ghost investigation, um, just because we were bringing new people every time, but we always had a bunch of equipment and tried to monitor whatever we could. So, wow. So, okay. Here's a, here's a fun, here's just a fun question. Yeah. Here's just a fun podcast question. What's the afterlife? Oh, wow. Hmm. That's a, hmm. It's a, I don't know. I have no clue. I, I do believe that energy can't just get deleted out of the world. I think that once your body's yeah. gone, your energy is still around. So I imagine the afterlife is your energy trying to figure out where it goes next or what it does. Or my personal thought is that I am a big believer in like a, a reincarnation just because that was how my mom always explained it to me that everyone dies and your energy kind of floats around until everyone you love is already, if they're all dead and floating around with you and then you all reincarnate together. So you stay in your own little squad. So to me, that's what the afterlife is. And all the ghosts around are just energy waiting for everyone else they care about to move on with them. Okay. But I have no clue. This poor 1700s young lady. She's still waiting. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe she chose. She was like, "I don't want anything to do with any of you. I'm going to stick around here for a little bit." Okay, okay. I have no clue. Right. It's uh, up for debate, and I I have wondered why so many spirits are specifically from the 17, 1800s, and no one from 2010. You know, feels like yeah. less right. of a spooky yeah. situation. And such a good like emo teenage, <laughs> you know, yeah, sort of way to you know to to ghost out. Did you have experiences growing up? I did. When I was, uh, my first one was when I was seven. Um, I saw my grandfather a week after he died. Uh, and we weren't particularly close. I was, first of all, seven. And also he lived several months, uh, several states away. Um, 
But I know that him being a grandfather was like his big dream. And I was the first grandkid to be born. And when he passed, all of us in the family had an experience within that week, but we all had different experiences. So I appreciate his uh, like amount of creativity in it. Where Some versatility. Yeah, he was really, everyone had an original moment with him. So my mom always sees him in dreams. My aunt uh, would just think about him and he would just, he would, she'd be able to like hear his voice in her mind. My cousin was able to see him in pictures. I got the coolest experience where I was sleeping in bed and I felt someone sit down on the bed, almost as if like a parent checking on me while I was sleeping. And I woke up and he was just sitting there leaning on his, uh, on his knees or on, he was like kind of like supporting himself on his legs, which is interesting because in when he was alive, he, his leg was amputated. Oh. So all of a sudden he had two legs and uh, he was just sitting there and just smiling. And he was just, you could, I could feel that he was either proud or, saying goodbye. I'm, I just, I sensed happiness. And then I woke up and he was gone. So it's interesting, like the way that you talk about this memory and the experiences you've had in your whole sort of relationship to the supernatural, it, do, it, it doesn't, the sense I get is that it's not very fear-based. It's like, there's a curiosity and that you sort of welcome it. But to me, it invokes terror. And I've, I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> but that's, there's a thrill to that. I think it's because I was seven and I, I, well, I also, there's a, a theory that spirits usually approach children before anyone else, just because children haven't been taught yet what is real and what isn't, or, you know, imaginary friends, are they imaginary or are they actually spirits or, so I think because it just, I started out young having experiences and they were positive experiences. It, it kept me from being too afraid of future experiences. Yeah. There's a whole thing. But I don't want. I don't want to dive in. I'm well, dive another in. time. This is my job. So if you ever want to dive in, I am happy to do it. Okay. I I think I've brought it up before, so I'll just very quickly. I was doing a show um, last year. The, the last normal thing I did last year <laughs> uh, was Ross uh, Dresvelez, and this was not normal. Uh, what happened? But uh, Ross Dresvelez has that show ghosted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so the guests were me and a medium. And just before we're about to go out, the medium says, who's Charlie? Charlie wants me to let you know that he's here. Charlie is my dad who died a few years ago. Whoa. So, yeah, which I was like, OK. And then and then the show started. <laughs> right. The live. Your dad didn't even want you to be able show. to process it. <laughs> yeah. So, so since then, I've been like wrestling with it. Like, to what degree is he actually like here? Is he in my office right now? Like, what's I don't, I'm, I'm figuring that out. Right. No, I. And and I. I've yeah. always wondered that too, just because I, my my grandfather who passed, he the only thing I have left of him is a, a stuffed animal that he gave me when I was a kid, and uh-huh. uh, so I I talk to it a lot, like it's him, just because that's the only relationship I. It's like you know, picking up a phone and calling my other grandparents. Uh, it's just my version of catching up with him. And I, I think I've convinced myself that he can hear me when I'm talking about that stuff. Maybe he can't, yeah. but I'm definitely under the, the belief that if you're speaking it out into the world, they can hear you or they want you to know they're there. Maybe that was the only time he thought like, I may never see another medium next to my son again. This is the only chance. And sorry, yeah. that's so close to you having to go out on the show, but this is all I've got. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I yeah. definitely think uh, 
if you're thinking about them, if, if your energy and their energy are connecting in some way. I mean, that's very woo-woo to think, but I, it works for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's all woo-woo and that's fine. <laughs> the, the best part about and, it is every belief is just a belief. No, we have no clue who's right yeah. and who's wrong. So Exactly. We all know the same amount of things exactly. about it, which is nothing. <laughs> listen to what's on your what's on your spotify slash apple music oh slash turntable you know i have such uh i feel like i'm one of those people's like i have a really eclectic variety um but i really do listen to everything from classic rock um 90s country i listen to doo-wop a lot i like broadway Mm. um i i would say like if i had to pick my current favorite people, which will all be very different, but I really like Billy Joel, uh, Queen, Shania Twain. Uh, and then in terms of uh, doo-wop, kind of just like a kind of a, a, a grouping of a bunch. I was just listening to Chapel of Love before I got on here. So it. it's really, it really depends on my day. It's cheery though. It's very cheery. I like upbeat. Yeah. Yeah, especially now. Especially now. Yeah, we've got to we've got to find our joy wherever we can. I, when I was a teenager, I was really into the angsty, gloomy music. But you know, when mm. I'm, I'm never someone who really sits down just to listen to music. I'm always doing it in the background of something else. And so I think it is mm. a. I listen to it with the intention of it being a motivator for me to get things done. So gotcha. I really like the uh, the upbeatness. Of Have it. you seen the meme on Twitter mm. that it's uh, it's like high school me and four images, and it'll be like. Uh, you know, a Fiona Apple album and like a pair of like wide leg <laughs> jeans and you know what I mean? Just things, just vibes. Yeah. What what mm-hmm. what would be in yours? Uh, well, I was, I was, I don't know. I, I'm probably really pinpointing the era I grew up in, but I was part of the early 2000s uh, group of teenagers where we were all in like the really heavy eyeliner and the really swishy bangs mm. and the really skinny jeans and we listen to a lot of like screamo uh, music. Um, but I also thought that I was one of the cool artsy kids. So I, I wanted to have a little more uh, vagueness and mystery, mystery to my music. So I, I listened to a lot of like Jack's mannequin and Ben folds, but then I also listened to a lot of my chemical romance and I did wear a lot of bright colored skinny jeans, unnecessarily bright, unnecessarily skinny and I, uh, I think I kind of, I walked around the world hoping I was cool. Maybe this just is how everyone was, but I really wanted to be cool, but I was very aware of the hierarchy and I was not at the top. Um, I was, I was kind of in that group where I was like, I didn't have a label. Um, but I, but it showed that I really wanted to have a label and I really wanted a cool label. I was just kind of floating around waiting for the day I got invited to like the best party of my life. So <laughs> I think that was probably. And did you? Um, it, it worked differently where I ended up becoming friends with a lot of people at the school nearby and they really embraced me and 
took me to all the cool parties. But in terms of my high school experience, I was just kind of a wallflower. That's kind of the ultimate power move, though, is to befriend people that like people at your school only sort of know about. There's something very exotic and mysterious about Oh, it, it was it was the best. It, I mean, it, it worked out in hindsight because our school, we were so small, we didn't even have like a football team or anything. And I was hanging out at the school. I was like, oh, yeah, on Fridays, we go to the football games. Then we party afterwards. And then all of a sudden, the, the popular kids didn't even know how to judge my experience because I couldn't even relate to it. It felt very fun. It felt very cool. But I did always want the people that I saw every day to like me. And that never happened. Mm. <laughs> how small is school? I was uh, one of 30 in my graduating class. Real small. Okay. And was it like, it was it people you had gone to grammar school with and yep. traveled in a, okay. Yeah, I've known, I graduated with everybody that I had known since I was five. So yeah. it was uh, a really incestuous family. And it was really, uh, it's nice to say that I was in the top 30 of my class and then give nobody any more context mm-hmm. than that. But mm-hmm. uh, in terms of keeping up with everybody, it's weird that I, I don't have to keep up. I just there's only 30 people. If I'm friends with all of them on Facebook or Instagram, I I know them just as well as I feel like I did in high school, which a lot of people try to escape their high school experience. And it's just I still know everything about them. So it's it's kind of weird that after so many years of knowing them, you almost don't want them out of your life because they are the closest thing to lifelong friends you've got. Yeah. Constant, yeah, and most will continue in that kind of situation to hang around together all the time. Yeah, so yeah, you'll see pictures. It is, and also my 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 town is pretty small, so anytime I go home, I always bump into at least six of them, which is a fifth of my whole class. So, you know. right. and when you learn through, yeah. yeah, but in a group like that, oh, I was going to say when you learn through, you know, f- Facebook or what have you, that one of these people uh, has maybe stuck around. Virginia too long and become a Trump supporter or something that you might not agree with. Do you, how do you respond? Do you detach? What's the move? Well, that has absolutely happened. Um, and I think I just kind of shake my head in shame. And I'm just like, Oh, what a waste. Cause I really like that person. Um, I, let's see, I would say out of my graduating class, there's probably, a third of them, so 10 people, who have gone onto the wrong side of history, as I like to say. And because I'm, it's almost like that that uncle at, at Thanksgiving you really hate, but like you're kind of stuck with them at this point. Even though they're friends I or people I don't speak to, and I haven't been friends with them since I was 17, I've been following their life my entire life. And so it's almost like I kind of have to know all the dirt, whether or not I like what I'm looking at. It's like a train wreck basically. (laughs) But, uh, Um, but so I'm, I'm keeping up with them. And I really, now my goal is like some of them are having kids and I'm just hoping that even though they're Trump supporters, I grow up with them long enough to see their kids turn the other way and, and rebel and come back to the winning team. (laughs) if, if That's a reason not to disconnect, I guess, is that you have the opportunity to influence and, save those kids fingers crossed yeah uh in a group like if you're in a a tight little group for your entire life you can't like it's difficult to reinvent yourself when you're 16 mm-hmm. surrounded by people who knew you when you were six yeah so it makes sense that you can like go and be 
with a new group of people who don't have any expectations of you and you can kind of start fresh. That's exciting. That was the best part about moving to LA. I mean, I, I grew up in Virginia my whole life. I went to college in Virginia and then when I left, that was actually probably the beginning of my life just because I, I really had to learn who I was instead of, you know, what my label for 12 years had been. Um, and I, I'm really happy I left. I think a lot of people that didn't leave should have, um, and originally I never planned on leaving. I, I planned on staying in Virginia. I planned on growing up in my hometown. I planned on buying my mom's house from her one day so my kids could grow up in it. I was prepared to be one of those people that does not leave my hometown. And thank God I ended up in LA and I am a very different person today. So I'm very happy to have uh, stumbled into this world. And how'd that happen? When I was in college, I actually was supposed to, so I studied psychology, human behavior, um, and I got a PhD offer at the college t- 20 minutes down the road from me. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to obviously go take that. I, I was going to skip my master's. It was an accelerated program. And my goal was to be a, a psychology professor at my alma mater. I I was really comfortable. I was really good with just saying exactly where I was doing the exact same thing. And uh, while I was in college, I had a really wild, wildly toxic relationship. And uh, she was a year younger than me. And so if I went to the college 20 minutes down the road, I knew I was still going to be stuck in this relationship while she was having her senior year. And uh, I was like, either I'm going to take the PhD offer, stay in this really awful relationship, which will probably have me burn out of my program or, you know, it was very emotionally and mentally abusive. And I had already seen signs that I probably wouldn't be able to finish my program anyway, just because I was always being challenged to prove myself. And that would result in like skipping class and skipping exams and things like that. I was like, if I stay here, I'm not even going to get to finish my degree because this person's going to just completely control my life. So the only way out is to escape basically. And so at that point, pretty much all school admissions um, for graduate programs had already closed and I was desperate for anything. And one of the first ones I found was uh, Boston University had a TV program. And I was like, I literally know nothing about television or entertainment or anything, but it's open. And one of the one of the perks was that the final semester is studying abroad in LA. And, uh, and I was like, I'm taking it, whatever gets me out of here. And I got in and it sent me to LA and I never went back to Virginia. And it, I mean, it was really just such a random thing to happen to me, but it it couldn't have been a, a better excuse to have a complete development, a complete growth in my character. What happened to the toxic ex? She's engaged to someone else who I feel really bad for. So another thing to follow <laughs> I've on about Facebook. Out to, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. I've, I've thought about reaching out to him to be like, are you okay? But I don't even want to open that Pandora's box. Yeah. That's for the best. Yeah. What were your early impressions of LA? Oh, um, wow. First of all, I want to take a second. I've, you, these are the best questions I've ever been given. Wow. You're very, oh, good. very wonderful interviewers. Um, thanks. Uh, well, you're a joy to interview. I'm sure. Thank you. I've got nothing else to do. So, um, let me think, what did I think about LA? I was really intimidated. First of all, 
like I just said, I had no experience in the entertainment industry. Um, I, I showed up here truly on a whim and I, I had no clue what to expect. And, uh, people were really intense. I probably, be, I was in the film industry and it's exactly what people think. I mean, there was times where I was doing the very crappy, you know, grabbing people's coffee who don't appreciate it jobs. And, uh, mm-hmm. I was really intimidated. I was also really intimidated, um, because at the time and when I grew up in Virginia, I was just politically, I don't guess I'm even the right word anymore, but I was just not closed-minded. I was just really ignorant. I was just completely uneducated to the things that I'm educated to now. And so it was a really steep learning curve, um, especially this year, I think, and everyone's still learning. It, it was just a really steep learning curve and figuring out my role as uh, as a person, as a cisgender person, at, or not as a cisgender person, as a queer person, as a as a white person. I, I just came here with a lot of um, unconscious bias and I really don't like that about myself anymore. I, I, I don't like who I was or what my thoughts were, but I had a really quick education. And again, thank God I left Virginia. But uh, moving out here, I was really intimidated, not only in the entertainment industry, but just any conversation I had with people, I was realizing how clueless I was to the world around me. So it was really intense. Um, I figured it out, but the first year was was a real doozy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, and, and at what point did you begin to identify as a queer person? I, as a as a queer person in general, I I knew something was up when I was three or four. Um, yeah. I, and I always identified as gay until I think the end of college, probably the end of college. But that was also because I never gender wasn't even a concept to me. Um, which we could talk about forever and how sad that is. But um, I just always thought I knew I liked girls and nobody else. That was not up for debate. I never even had to question that. I just knew that, oh, I like girls and I know I'm not supposed to, supposed to. And, uh, and so I should keep this a secret, but it's not something that is, I'm, I'm unwavering. I'm just, this is just a secret and a fact of life now. And uh when I got, as I started getting older, because I guess the way that I usually describe it to people is I grew up, I was probably one of the last generations where universally everyone was afraid of coming out in some way. I know there's still a lot of kids today who have to struggle with that, but there's also a large portion of kids today who don't have to worry about that. You just come out and that's just it, which I'm very jealous of them for, but very happy for them. But uh, I was still in that group of you don't come out until you're about to graduate. And if things go sour, you can book it like you're not in town anymore. Yeah. And uh, so because of that, I was a really late bloomer in terms of relationships. I didn't have my first kiss until I was 19. Um, And so I think because of that, I never had to think about my gender. I never realized there was any uh, personal issues with my body until all of a sudden somebody was interacting with it and that didn't come until way late in the game. So I think if, uh, maybe if I grew up in today's world, if I was in high school in 2021, I would have realized something beyond sexuality was the quote issue, um, a lot earlier, 
but I knew I liked girls and I came out officially right before I went to college because that was what you did. And, uh, and then I didn't realize there was, uh, I had any, uh, body issues until, uh, yeah. until the last year of college when I had a, my serious relationship and I just didn't like being touched at all. I was like, there's something wrong here. There's like, I, I don't like it. Don't interact with it. Don't acknowledge it. Don't speak about it. Don't look at it. And, uh, and then I met a trans person and I was like, holy shit, this makes so much sense. Like, why have I never heard of this before? And that's when I started really playing around with the idea of gender. So around 22. So I, I've six years, I guess. Okay. So before we started recording, you were talking about uh, over the holidays, how you and your girlfriend had to be, you know, quarantined separately at one point, just, you know, in order to be responsible. Um, how did you meet? We met through my co-host, actually, my uh, my podcast co-host. Uh, my girlfriend was her college roommate all four years. Oh, that's and helpful someone to vet her fully. Yeah. Well, that's that's exactly what I wanted when I. So my last relationship before my current girlfriend was a really horrible one. And I actually went by the sex in the city rules where you don't date or you don't even think about dating until half of the time that you were in the last relationship. Yep. So I had been dating the last one for three years and I was like, okay, a year and a half. I'm not even going to think about another person. I'm just going to, you know, grow as a person, which equated to June, 2017. I was like, okay, June, 2017, I'm really going to start dating and play the field. And June 26th, I met Allison, my girlfriend. So I was like, well, <laughs> so much for playing the field. Um, because my, she was coming in town to visit my co-host and I'd actually seen a picture of her months before. And I had told my co-host, I was like, I need to meet her. She's very cute. <laughs> I really want to meet you her. You got energy off it. You got energy off the picture. I did. I was I saw a picture of her and I was like, that's I gotta I gotta see what that's about. And uh mm -hmm. and at the time she was actually part of her uh master's program was that she worked internationally. So she was actually in Tanzania when I saw that picture of her. And I told my co-host, I've got to meet her. And Christine was like, well, good luck. She literally lives in Africa. So I don't know if you're ever going to meet her. And she has no plans of coming here. Meanwhile, apparently when we had just started this podcast, while Allison was in Tanzania, a lot of times driving from ho driving home from work, she would listen to our podcast and was, she thought I was very charming on the podcast. So we were both separately kind of falling for each other. And, uh, she randomly, after she left Africa, decided she was going to do a road trip and visit everybody that she'd been missing out on for a year, came to L.A. to see her college roommate. And my roommate didn't even tell us that we were going to be running into each other, but we ended up meeting and it, it just kind of everything fell into place. So first first meeting was like a group hang, I take it. It was a group hang. And because our we were so new at the podcast, um, we were only like 20 episodes in. We were still having, if our friends were in town, we would have them come on the, the podcast as guests. And Christine was like, oh, well, we should have my co my college roommate, Allison, on the show. And so actually the first night we ever hung out is an episode of the podcast. And a lot of people say that they'll listen back now. And apparently it's very oh, obvious wow. that I was just smitten and like not keeping my cool at all. I thought I was being like very suave. Apparently that's not the case. And then what so. was the first date? 
the first date was maybe 24 hours later. Uh, we went to go see Wonder Woman. Uh, we went to go see Wonder Woman. And then in Echo Park, there's a restaurant called Sage. Love Sage. And mm-hmm. uh, we Sage is one of my favorite places. And so I, I took her there for milkshakes. They have very good vegan milkshakes. And uh, so we went to see Wonder Woman and we went to Sage. That was our first. And then actually just... Two nights ago, we went to a drive-in and saw Wonder Woman 2. So it was a very nice bookend of like the very first time we saw a movie together was Wonder Woman. And we were trying really hard to impress each other. And then this time we saw Wonder Woman 2 and we had stopped at two restaurants to get takeout so we could have a a collection of food in the car with us when we went to the drive-in. We had crumbs all over our sweatpants. It was a very nice uh, dichotomy. Exactly. How, how How the mighty have fallen, I suppose. So you, uh, so you hooked her in to stay in LA. I sure did. I tried. I, I, I don't know how I did it, but okay. <laughs> I just want to go back to that episode 20 and, uh, you know, hear how you hear what your game was. I guess she was just charmed by me ha- having no idea what I was saying. I, I mean, I, the first few months that we were together, I, I've just blacked them all out. I was just very taken by her. So, and to, to go back to your point earlier, um, one of the, I, I waited until June 2017 to date. And when June came, I told Christine, who had become one of my best friends at that point, I really want to be with someone who other people can vouch for because my last relationship was really awful. I want to find someone through people I trust. And then within a couple of weeks, she was like, oh, here's my friend Allison. So ask me, shall receive. Spoke it into the universe. I sure did. You got good karma. At that point, I did. I don't know. I Hopefully, it's still there. I didn't use it all up, but we'll see. <laughs> so is there is there marriage in the in the conversation? Not right now. It's one of those things where we joke about it a lot. I, as a child of not just one divorce, but many divorces, I have a very large fear of commitment. And uh, she seems to be very understanding of that. I, I don't see us ever breaking up. But when all of a sudden it's it's a finite legal agreement, then all of a sudden I get really scared. So um, probably, but not anytime soon. Not anytime. Just saying that kind of made me want to throw up. So put stress on No, no, no. It's yeah. that it, that's a that's a regular thing. Anytime marriage gets mentioned on TV, we'll look at each other and gauge how ill I feel. And it's it's not at all a. Uh, a slight to her. She's, I'm very lucky that I found someone who's super understanding and patient. It's kind of become a, a way to, you know, jab at each other. So are we, no, there's no harm. No. And are, are you cohabitating? We are. Yes. We've been together for, we've been together for almost four years now. July will be four years. And, uh, uh, three years of living together now, I think I, I don't actually remember the official date on that, but probably three years of living together. And what was it like? What we were talking about earlier, this, the holiday quarantine where she had to travel. So, you know, she was responsibly quarantining on both sides of the trip. So I think you said you had six weeks apart, which sounds like an eternity. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm also really lucky. One of the things I wanted in a, in a partner was uh, someone who appreciated their alone time like I did. And I, I, it's so weird to be in a healthy relationship when you've never been in one. And uh, I feel bad for her because I'm having all these firsts and she's like, this is normal. This is how it's supposed to be. But uh, I was, I'm really lucky that 
I'm also an only child and I really, really love my space and my alone time. And she's also very independent. And so six weeks for us actually didn't feel like an eternity. I definitely missed her. But by the time she was about to come back, I was like, can you stay for a few more days over there? Like, I've really gotten back into my groove of like going to bed when I want, eating what I want. Um, and uh, she felt the same way. She's like, wow, it's really hard to readjust to someone else's routine. But uh, it, basically, she had to go home for Christmas for and she lives in South Carolina. And so we wanted to do it as safely as possible. So she flew there after we'd been quarantining for almost 300 days. So she definitely wasn't sick beforehand. Um, she flew there and then she quarantined for two weeks before she even saw her family, just to make sure she didn't bring anything to them. Then when she hung out with her family and came back, she quarantined in LA for another two weeks before coming home and potentially giving me something from the airport. So it, uh, we tried to do it as safely as possible, but those six weeks actually kind of flew by. We had a really good time uh, catching up on the phone. It kind of felt like the first time we were dating mm -hmm. again. So, M. Schultz, you are delightful. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for asking me so many questions. I mean, I did, I very much appreciated talking about myself. So We very much appreciated <laughs> listening to you talk about yourself. Um, and the show we is, loved it. and that's you. why we drink. Everybody subscribe and uh, go back in the archives and, mm -hmm. and see the moment that, that M and uh, the girlfriend met and Sparks Blue. Yep. Episode 23, yeah, I so think. Yeah, so you can pinpoint the moment <laughs> I think it was a, where it all began. Between episode 19, or no, I think it was episode 23, actually. So go check it out and listen to me. Be very humiliated on air. <laughs> Love it. M, thank, Love you, it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.